Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron. And 2019 has been a trying year for crypto exchanges. Cryptopia hacked, closed down for months. Canadian exchange Quadringa CEO died losing the private keys. And well, the more people dig into it, the stranger the case is, and maybe they even have the coins or the money they said they had in the first place. So this actually all comes down to just one thing. How can we trust these smaller exchanges? And with exchanges getting hacked and shutting down, why are people still building new exchanges? Why do they think that people are gonna trust them and not just go to the big guys, Coinbase, Gemini, Binance, Bittrex? How can these small exchanges build trust? Not only how can they build trust, how can we be sure that they won't screw us over in the future? Well, to answer that question, I invited two smaller new exchanges onto the show to ask them just that. Why build a new exchange? How can we trust you? How can we know that you will not leave us or screw us over in the future? And for that, we have My Crypto Wallet Exchange out of Australia, and we have Agora Trade, a decentralized non-custodial exchange. So enjoy the show, and when you're done listening to it, hop onto Crypto 101's Facebook group and tell me what you think. Tell me if you actually believe that these guys can do it. Do what they say they're going to do. Protect your money, protect your crypto, and provide a platform for trading crypto that's safe, secure, and trustworthy. And you can get to our Facebook group by going to Crypto101Podcast.com. There you can find all of our social medias. You can join our Twitter, our Instagram, and like I said, our Facebook. Send us an email, say what's up, and don't forget to become a patron. Patrons, if you're listening to this, thank you for being patrons, and you already heard this 48 hours before it came out to everyone else. So if you become a patron, you'll be privileged to get these shows ahead of time a little bit before everybody else. And don't forget to hop on iTunes, leave us a rating and a comment, and don't forget to share this episode and others with your friends and family. It helps us stay visible so people can and find the show. Randy McMillan, thank you very much for editing this episode. And this is not financial advice, trading advice, investment advice, or personal advice. Now, without further ado, two exchanges to tell you why we should trust them. We'll see you after the show. Jared Koningsman, CEO and founder of My Crypto Wallet. Welcome to Crypto 101, sir. Hey, Matt. Hey, going, buddy? Good, sir. Good, sir. Thank you for coming on. What we want to do today is you have an exchange in Australia. And 2019 has been plagued with exchanges, hacks, or lost private keys, lost funds. And the confidence in exchanges has diminished greatly. There's never been lots of confidence in exchanges after Mt. Gox. But, you know, we slowly but surely keep using exchanges, and then they seem to always prove the skeptics right. They either fail, they lose funds, they lose the keys, they lose coins, what have you. Sir, I want to go into the back end of your exchange, and I want to explore how you are going to create confidence in your exchange for the consumers that are on your platform. But before we go into that, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your exchange? Sure. So... I'm, my name is Jared Koningsman, as mentioned before. I'm the CEO and founder of My Crypto Wallet and My New Pet. My Crypto Wallet is an Australian-based and government licensed exchange in Australia. And we have been operating for around 18 months with uh, us launching in the end of 2017. So tell us a little bit more about your exchange. How many users do you have? And what kind of operations are you doing right now? What kind of volume do you have in Australia right now? Yeah, so we have just over 20,000 um, Australian registered users 
and um, our volumes are looking anywhere between three to five million a month. You know, obviously that's dropped a lot from what we're doing in December 2017. But um, I believe a lot of our competitors are also in the same boat. Mm -hmm. So with 20,000 users, how do you protect their funds? Now, I know this is a big question, but as we heard from Cryptopia, their OPSEC was horrendous from what I heard from one of their ex-employees, that everything was out in the open. Anybody can make amendments to uh, people's accounts. What are you doing behind the scenes that is ensuring that people's funds are safe? Yeah, so we make sure that we only ever keep 2% of all our funds in hot wallets, and then the 98% is all stored in cold wallet storage. There's not much really we can say besides that we do that. But then on top of all that, um, we actually have a self-regulatory body called ADCA, the Australian Digital Commerce Association, where they've actually drafted a policy which they want all digital asset companies in Australia to adhere to, which complies under doing independent audits of all the funds in exchange, doing monthly or you know every quarter uh, year reports on all the assets that are held in exchange just to create that consumer confidence back in exchanges, especially here in Australia, that, okay, this is what we're doing. We're saying we're doing that, but then we've got an independent order approving that this has actually been done. You said that you could keep everything in a cold wallet storage. Is that multi-sig or how do you manage that storage? Yeah, sure. So without going too much into it, basically we make sure that all funds are just stored offline into private keys that only my management team would know the actual keys to. And we work with a big company in actually storing it with them because there are a lot of assets from the exchange and we actually self-insure all assets on our platform. So just because in Australia here, no exchange has been able to get any insurance policy around the digital assets. So if someone steals something, the insurance insurer would pay out. So we actually created our own self-insurance policy saying, if you know, if we ever did get hacked, that we will 100% pay everything back pretty much instantly. And that's just because that we've actually kept a reserve amount away just in case of anything like that. But then on top of that, we guarantee 110% that our assets would never be touched. So when you say self-insurance, what does that mean? I mean, is that's basically a promissory note. It says that, hey, I promise that I would do something. But what if you are the malicious one? And I don't mean in an offensive way, but what if you are the the person that's going to steal the funds or one of your management teams? Yeah, well, definitely. So we make sure that we have a tier system management process. So my two operation managers under me, the only way that they we could ever actually pull funds off is if all three of us actually came together and actually tried to process a withdrawal. And then we would actually contact the company and then we actually have to request through a few more security questions when we want to get the assets out. So even if I was to pass away tomorrow, at least my two operations manager have that ultimate control. But then on top of that, we have to sign all the, you know, the non-disclosure and the non-competition agreements that, you know, my management team would never go anywhere else but work with me. It's 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 a it's one of those things, you know, it's it's you just need to have that confidence within an exchange. It's who you, who you believe, you know, who's the face behind the exchange and what are they doing? You know, what's their track record? You know, do they have other assets besides just their cryptocurrency exchange? You know, personally, myself, I have three other businesses, but, you know, that maybe that creates confidence if someone was to see that. That's an interesting statement that you made because I personally believe that you need to believe in institutions, that it is the regulations and operations and the very tried and true methods of setting up a, an exchange or any organization that you know that these box or boxes are being checked. 
When I had Mr. Dan Rice on in, in our episode of How Exchanges Work, he basically told us how Mount Gox was built. It was a dude in his garage or a dude in his house that was a coder that made an exchange, had no business uh, basically operating an exchange. He didn't know anything about the operations of running an exchange, but he knew how to build it and make it look good or operate. What makes you a person that's able to build and operate an exchange and what regulations are coming out from the Australian government or any government that holds you to certain practices? Yeah, definitely. So I've actually been drafting a data security policy with the ADCA. I was the main driver of actually helping provide um, insights into how exchanges work and how we can actually create trust with data security here in Australia. So we actually have been drafting a policy under an ISO 5001, I believe, which is already a preset data security policy under most tech companies. So we've pretty much pulled that information out, then added all the stuff that any exchange you'd like to see have a data security policy added to it. And we've actually built a whole policy around how do we store funds? Are we doing independent audits done on all our bank accounts? You know, are we doing independent audits done on all the assets stored in cold wallets? And then actually issuing those reports back to our customers. So the the government is always, in most countries, a bit slow to catch on to what everything is doing around the world. Eventually they get there. But in the meantime, we have to rely on ourselves. We have to rely on the big institutions to actually create the transparency within the exchanges and digital asset businesses. What is the ADCA and how does it operate? Why was it created and what does it really do? I think there's a lot of American and UK listeners that probably don't know what this is. Yeah, sure. So um, the ADCA was formed in around 2013, start of 2014, by a few exchanges in Australia. The first few that were actually operating. Um, but they struggled to have bank accounts. You know, they struggled to even get acknowledged within the industry for what they were doing. So they actually came together and were like, okay, let's bring on the best lawyers. Let's bring on the best advisors. Uh, let's bring on the best, biggest exchanges. And let's actually create a group where we all come together. We have regular monthly meetings and let's discuss the digital asset ecosystem here in Australia. And then on top of that, they work very directly with the government. So they have direct communication with all the policymakers. They have direct communication with all the compliance. They're essentially the direct point of contact when anybody, any government institution wants to get in contact with the exchanges to draft a new policy or something like that. Got it. Got it. So how much insight do they have into your internal operations and how much say do they have about how you do, in fact, operate? Yeah, sure. So it definitely depends on where you're, how certified you are through them. Well, they did have two certifications, professionally certified and then gold certified. So I believe three of the top exchanges here in Australia have actually been gold certified. It took them about 18 months to actually get it. So it's not one of those things where, you know, you can just get all your processes out to them and they'll give it to you over a weekend. It's more of a thing like you need to have a proven track record. You need to do complete independent audits over every single aspect of your business. So you're giving them literally everything possible and they're coming through with all their lawyers and all their advisors and ensuring that, yes, you know, they are going to have our brand name as gold certified as a badge at the bottom of their footer of their website. Are you gold certified? No, we're actually not. We're only provisionally certified. 
Okay. And what's the difference between the two? Yes. So provisionally certified is where we're a part of the ADCA, but we just haven't done our independent audits yet. Mm-hmm. It's very costly. You know, it costs anywhere between fifty to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to actually be gold certified. You know, we're only a small startup. We've only been operating less than two years. So it's a bit hard to justify paying that directly, especially when we're trying to add new features and stuff to our platform for our users to benefit from. And then gold certified means? So gold certified means that all the independence audits done, um, ADCA and all policymakers have just completely destroyed the exchange and gone through every single one of its (laughs) processes and operation procedures. Before I actually started my crypto wallet, we actually got the ADCA policy that they were putting forward and built our exchange around everything that they wanted in the future that, you know, p- potentially that we're going to be gold certified. So we're already doing everything that a gold certification does. Mm-hmm. We just haven't put up the money and got the independent audit done just because of the cost. And what is the benefit for the end consumer? Just peace of mind? Pretty much so, you know, having that there's another big institution that's actually gone through the exchanges and created transparency. So whenever a customer has complaints, they directly go to ADCA, complain about the exchange, the exchange directly get in contact with the CEO or founder and pretty much put the complaint straight to them and it always gets addressed ASAP. The Cryptopia guys, were they certified? Uh, No, they're actually New Zealand. New Zealand is a very regulated country, if not more regulated than Australia, but they actually just haven't caught up with any of the digital asset stuff that's going on over there. I actually flew to New Zealand a few, uh, about a year ago to open up a New Zealand dollar bank account because we were offering our services to Australia and New Zealand when we first launched. And they wouldn't let me open up any bank account, not even a personal bank account, because I owned a cryptocurrency exchange here in Australia. Oh, wow. Yeah, it it pretty much felt like I was sanctioned or something, which was um, really crap. But they're just heavily against crypto, really heavily against crypto. What do you look for in an exchange? If you are going to hop on an exchange and do some trades and move some money through, what are your boxes that you need to check? Yeah, definitely. So track record. Mm-hmm. Um, I also do. I also look through always the founders, CEOs, who's actually operating their company, which is what LinkedIn's great for. I guess you know you can just type in a, a company's name, find the company, and then just find every single employee that works there. And also as well, you know who the, the age of the exchange as well. And on top of that, you know what's the press about the exchange? You are a smaller exchange, and it is very hard to convince people that you are trustworthy. We have seen this story before. We've watched this movie. This is not nothing new that a small exchange is going to come up and either due to liquidity, hacks, or you know maybe even a governing body wanting to attack an exchange just to you know wreak havoc on the, the crypto space, uh, you are very vulnerable. This is an uphill battle for you. What are you doing to grow your brand create that trust. Of course, you're coming on Crypto 101 in in podcast to talk about your security. But what do you feel is your challenges for the future to maintain your company? Yeah, so we, you know, us being a smaller exchange, it's one of those things where we just have to be constantly on top of everything. I'm constantly networking. I'm constantly having calls with just every single person who is something here in Australia doing anything with digital currency to partner with them, you know, because essentially the more partners we have, the more transparency it provides for the end user. 
I guess this might be even a, a futile question to even try to ask this, but what can we do to gain trust and make sure that we feel that nothing bad will happen to our funds? It's really one of those things, you know, you, you have to do your own due diligence on something before you invest in it. You know, we constantly are always talking back to our customers, trying to get feedback on how we can actually improve our exchange in terms of security or just, you know, basic user experience to improve and make it better. And, you know, we've actually built the exchange on mostly 90, 95% feedback rather than being a large corporation that just gets to do what they want and they just, you know, let a user come into the platform. You know, we actually are talking and hearing from our customers what they want to see. And to be honest with you, you know, our customers love our exchange, that we have 90% of our users always coming back, buying back from us, transferring it to one of our competitors' exchanges. And, you know, even one of our competitors, if say, for example, which actually happens quite frequently, a beginner user comes into the blockchain world, they've invested with us and they try to transfer out to one of our competitors. They don't know where their funds have gone. You know, they're contacting both support companies. Mm-hmm. And then we actually get to see a chain of these emails between both support companies. And we actually have a direct communication with this other exchange to actually help the end user on their journey. So, you know, providing stuff like that, you know, us working with not just our competitors, but creating that trust that you know that this is a support team we actually employ a 24 7 support team to help all our users so is customer support a big thing definitely you know i remember using polynix about three four years ago waiting six months just to get an answer back where you know five thousand us dollars went it's a joke i made sure i built my exchange to make sure that if anything is to go wrong especially with money that there's always someone here to answer and talk to the customer to help them to make sure that we hold their hand through their journey into the blockchain world. Two questions for you came out of that. First is what's your opinion on the two exchanges that kind of either got hacked or lost their private keys? And the second one is why even do this business? Is it really that much monetary gain that you decided to make an exchange? Isn't there other things we can do that are less you know, shrouded in scandal? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, what happened with the Canadian exchange, that's just absurd. I've been reading articles daily about it, and I just think it's very far-fetched. Nothing lines up. Why did it take a month, especially a month, for a valid document to be issued about the death Mm -hmm. or about the whereabouts of what was happening with the exchange? And then you read deeper and you find, you know, they were blocking withdrawals six months prior, three months prior. I actually remember watching a documentary about seven years ago where this guy would just reveal scams all over the world. And he actually went to India and I believe he paid around 2000 US dollars and was actually granted a fake death certificate by the Indian government over there. Hmm. Some of the doctors over there are very corrupt. Mm-hmm. And you know, to die in India, to building an orphanage, it just, you know, really? Like, <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I definitely feel, I feel 110% for the widow. I feel 110% for all the employees at that company. But at the same time, like, really? Did that really actually happen? Right. And what do you think of the Cryptopia hack? Uh, the Cryptopia hack is just, you know, from what you've been telling me, how you've spoken to one of the ex-employees there and they were able to, well, anyone was able to just change balances in people's accounts and stuff like that. It's like, what are these guys doing? You know, they have a hundred employees at their New Zealand office, a hundred. So they're not, they've got 1.6 million users and that's what they're doing. Like we actually implemented uh, YubiKey. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. 
Can you explain it? Yeah, so a YubiKey is pretty much just like a USB or can come in like a USB-C now as well, that um, only if you have that USB plugged in your computer, you will have access to certain admin features within uh, the back end of an exchange. Mm -hmm. We we have that implemented across all our employees. So each employee actually gets issued this USB device. And when it's plugged into the computer office or their their office computer, they will then have certain tiers, levels of access to what they can do within my exchange. Mm -hmm. So... Of course, my operation managers, they get, you know, the most control, but still limited as well. And then it just goes down from there, back down, all the way down to customer support, which can just see users' details and users' balances, but they can't ever change anything. They can't even let a withdrawal happen from the system. But it just goes to wonder, like, you know, we're a small exchange, not even one one hundredth of the customers they have. And yet we have implemented stuff like this. It's like, who's actually running their company? You know, is it just kids? Or, you know, is it just people that just wanted to get on the hype of it all? just doesn't make sense. So again, again, goes back to the second question. Why? Why would you want to be in this business shrouded with so much scandal? Why even do it? Is the monetary gain that possibly good? It was never, it was, it's never been the monetary gain for, for us. Uh, we never look at revenue reports. I actually built the whole exchange just because I invested $30,000, I believe it was three years or three and a half years ago into one of the top tier exchanges here in Australia, uh, believe it or not, they're actually not under the ADCA, which is funny. They held on to the $30,000 for 15 days. I think everybody's been through a story like this. Bitcoin's price pretty much doubled, almost tripled within that period. $30,000 locked away, no way to get in touch with their customer support. And the, the worst thing about it was it wasn't even my money. It was actually a friend's money that I told him to invest with. And it caused a big problem, a, a big hinder in our relationship as well, because he's going, wait, you just told me to invest, you know, over $30,000 here. Where the hell's my money? Right. I'm going, well, let me contact the exchange. Oh, wait, I can't contact them. Shit, mate. I'm so sorry. I've been using them for a year. I've never had this problem before. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it, it was just it was just one of those conundrums that just ended up being terrible. And so I remember sitting, I was actually having a beer with uh, my girlfriend in the sunny coast and I'm sitting in a pub after this whole deal was going down. I'm going, nah, nah, stuff this. I'm pretty sure I can do it better. I can do it better than them. Like I'm pretty sure I can implement customer service, a 24-7 customer service team to help with anyone's issues like this. And then from that, uh, a week later, incorporated my crypto wallet. And then five, four or five months later, we ended up launching the exchange after I got in contact with some uh, local devs here in Australia. Mm-hmm. And then we launched the company just because one of the biggest companies in Australia screwed me over. Jared, man, thank you for answering all my questions, my skeptical questions about your exchange. <laughs> yeah. And I, I apologize for being, I'm not usually so direct and I guess rude, but I, I'm a little upset by the exchanges lately. I mean, from a content creator, and I'm just going to tell you my uh, perception on this, is that we are here and we make podcasts and we try to tell people the benefits of blockchain and cryptocurrency and the world that could be. And then every couple weeks or every month, a new scam, a new scandal, a new loss of money or coins or somebody's going to jail. And we always take two steps back, I feel. You are the the typical person why the whole industry's lost its confidence. Like, look at the market cap. It isn't a direct tie to what's been happening with everything. You know, like, what happened with the Bitcoin cash fork? Why can a fork just happen, a hard fork happen Every just, oh, yeah, there's no consensus. Let's fork it again. Mm-hmm. Like, look what happens. It kills everything. 
the biggest companies, the crypto companies, have had to sack 80% of their workforce. You know, we've we've potentially gone through something similar, but, you know, we plan for that. It sucks, mate. It really does. I feel your pain. And I, I feel your pain too, man. You have to prove to everyone that your small exchange is legitimate. And you can't blame them to be skeptical. I completely understand that. And, you know, that's just, it just makes me drive harder to create that transparency and trust within our business to the end consumer. Because we love our customers. You know, they're our friends. You know, we want to help them on the journey investing in this new, exciting digital currency world. We just need to create that trust. Man, if this was the first podcast somebody was listening to, what would you want them to know? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. About going on to an exchange. Sure. So I definitely, the first thing I'd look at would be the fee structure because you want to make sure that you maximize your profits. My crypto wallet actually was the first exchange to completely remove all fees from all our services and products. So we did that about two days ago and the press has just been belligerent about it. You know, like we've got so much great press about us being the first exchange that's not charging any fees on any trade, um, providing completely free service. So definitely the fee structure would be the one of the first things I look at just because you want to make sure that you're getting what you paid for, which is one of the biggest problems that I found. Hence why we actually did drop all our fees on our exchange because you go into an exchange, you've got $100. You're thinking you're getting $100 worth of Bitcoin. You end up getting like $80, $70 worth of Bitcoin from the other exchanges you could have gone to, which is just a joke, you know. So yeah, definitely fee structure. The second thing I'd look at would be what security process do they have? You know, are they doing KYC, AML? You know, 80% of the companies are doing it now, which is good to see. And then on top of that, what is what is their track record? 
you know, how long have they been in the industry for? Who are the CEOs? Who are the founders? Just doing your due diligence before you actually invest in a company is definitely key. Right on, man. How are you making money? We don't monetize the trades. We actually just are trying to bring everyone to get our free My Crypto card. And from a purchase for someone that would do, we get a small margin of that purchase. Gotcha. Uh, but the user doesn't pay for that. We just get the small margin of the purchase because we're issuing the card under partners. So um, it's completely free to use, completely free to load. You can pull out crypto to fiat AUD cash at any ATM. You can use it over a million locations here in Australia. We're actually launching it this week today. So um, oh, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, we're sending out another press release next week about it. And we're giving away the first 3,000 cards for free. So generally the cards, you know, they cost money for us to make them. But I've invested a lot of money into the program because it's bridging the fiat to crypto world, which is essentially mainstream adoption. You know, this is what's going to help mainstream adoption. So the first 3,000 people that want to apply for a card, reach out to us. It's yours. Um, press release going out next week. Um, can, can Americans use that card? No, that's the only thing. It can only oh, be brother. used in Australia. Why would you do that to yeah. me, <laughs> I know, but that's that's the hardest thing. You know, we we had a, a direct contact with one of the top tier card issuing companies to issue a card in the United States, Canada, and Japan, mm-hmm. and we started going through the partnership. And then a few of the press releases were coming out about the hacks, and then they just stopped talking to us. Uh, so you know, it all goes back to the trust again. And it's hard, you know, it's hard what other people are doing to affect the ecosystem. It directly affects us as well. Like we had a great partnership to start issuing these cards all over the world and, you know, just got pulled from us. But, you know, we're like, okay, let's focus on Australia first. They've been our main market. They've been our friends. Let's bridge that world and let's not charge any fees. Right on. Right on, man. Hey, man, Jared, I want to say thank you very much for coming on the show, wrapping out, being very honest and open uh, with some very direct questions. And man, good luck proving yourself and building this exchange up to be, well, hopefully one of the top exchanges in the world. I really, yeah, I really hope that we do. Uh, we actually launched the mycryptowallet.com domain a few months ago, where we actually have now international registration available for up to six countries. So if you are from another country and you want to use their exchange, welcome on board. Besides uh, America. Yeah, we have America as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I might pop on and see what's up. Jerry Koningsman, CEO and founder of My Crypto Wallet. Thank you very much for coming on the show, sir, and you have a great day. Pleasure, Matt. Thanks so much for the Crypto 101 podcast. Uh, It's been great. Now that we heard from Jared about My Crypto Wallet, a centralized exchange, and how they're working with the government and regulations, having checks and balances, insurance, and different practices involved to protect your funds, let's listen to another option, a non-custodial decentralized exchange. We're doing this so we can look at the evolution of centralized exchanges and another model, the decentralized exchange, to find out what is going to be the best practice for protecting you, your funds, while still giving you the ability to trade. Now, of course, you never leave money on an exchange, but just because you don't leave money in an exchange doesn't mean that you don't have any risk. You still have to use it. You still have to put money through the exchange. Therefore, the risk is still there that you could have your money taken from you. Let's see what Andrea says about Agora trade. Andrea Cassioni, CEO and co-founder of Agora Trade. Welcome to Crypto 101, sir. Hey, hello. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
you're, you're I, missing. I, I, we're missing Reto, actually. Yes, so he's. We are uh, missing Reto. <laughs> yeah, Reto Trinkler. He's my, uh, you know, is my co-founder, and right now he's uh, is very, very busy with uh, with delivering our our application. So he's very busy on the technical side. But uh, we're both humbled to have this opportunity to be with you today. So thank you. Awesome, man. Well, I'm very happy that you guys came on. But really briefly, before we get into exchanges and your project and a lot of different current events, briefly, tell me a little bit about yourself and tell me a little bit about your project. All right. So both me and Reto, we've been involved in crypto space for a long time. We have both a mathematics background and, uh, and computer science. And when this whole movement started, um, we were interested in applications of cryptography to, to create a better financial system. And I got into Bitcoin quite early on, just for the fun of it. And then around 2013, 2014, when I saw that, you know, the system was was quite resilient, I, I started getting more and more interested in, in the space. And then we started working on Agora Trade last year, me and Reto. And Reto is himself a very successful entrepreneur in the in the blockchain in the blockchain space as he launched a previous project. Uh, and uh, he got into, you know, Forbes 30 under 30. So he, he's already well known in the space. Right on, man. Right on. So what we're talking about today, and I think that one thing that you mentioned to me either offline or in our other recording because we had some recording issues yes. so this is our second time going <laughs> going at this yeah. is non-custodial non-custodial mm-hmm. exchanges means a dex correct what is a dex okay so a dex and non-custodial are, are two different things but uh, effectively what happens is when you want to exchange something either you go to a centralized exchange or you go to a decentralized exchange um, the key difference is the way that people handle the keys, basically. If you are on a centralized exchange, like it, it could be uh, Coinbase or it could be uh, Binance or any, any other uh, centralized structure, what happens is your private key as a user gets stored onto the servers of the trusted party, which in this case is the centralized exchange. So if a hack happens and someone hacks into the server, then what they see is they have access to all the private keys and they can move uh, cryptocurrencies from one place to another. And that is uh, exactly what happened. You know, over the lifetime of Bitcoin, uh, there have been almost a million Bitcoins stolen from different hacks in different exchanges. And this is one of the key problems uh, that that a decentralized exchange is trying to solve when it becomes non-custodial, when it's a non-custodial solution. So what we mean by non-custodial is... We are creating a wallet that is called the image wallet in which uh, people can store all their different coins uh, into one single QR code. And then you can print it out. You can have it with you. You can put it in your safe, but you will always have your key uh, with you. And the exchange will not touch your assets at any point in time. It's always going to be under your custody and your custody alone. And so everything happens on the client side. The only centralized bit that we have as the exchange is the order matching. I have a question about the order matching. You sure. said that's the only central, centralized part. Yeah. And with the order matching, is there any chance that that order doesn't get matched and the exchange can siphon off the cryptocurrency? No, 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 absolutely not. If the order is matched, uh, it depends on whether, you know, the price that you're willing to pay or it's effectively demand and supply, right? So if the order finds a match on the system, then the trade can be executed. Otherwise, it will still be there pending on the order book. The exchange cannot take the money at any point because 
the way an ex- a decentralized exchange works, you have a layer in between the two entities that allows for the atomicity of the swap. So we use what's called an atomic swap to make sure that both parties get their money and, uh, and no one else can get in the middle of that. So atomic swaps are an interesting solution. And this is what we use to jump from one blockchain to another, because we are not like other decentralized exchanges in the sense that we're not doing intra-chain exchanges. If you look at companies like, for example, IDEX, uh, which is a decentralized exchange as well, but they focus more on swapping between different ERC-20 tokens. So they are moving on the Ethereum blockchain. What we thought was, okay, uh, let's focus on jumping from one blockchain to another blockchain, like going from Bitcoin to Ether. There are two different settlement engines, correct? So you have the Bitcoin blockchain and you have the Ethereum blockchain. There are two different settlement engines. So uh, in order for me to sell Bitcoin and get Ether, I have to have some sort of uh, escrow layer in the middle that allows me to, to get what I want in the end and give you what you want in the end at the same time at the same atomic instant. And we do that through a smart contract that is called a hash time lock contract. The hash time lock contract is what what effectively allows the atomicity of the, of the trade. I think that it sounds good on, uh, when we're talking about it. It probably even looks good on paper. Uh-huh. But I think that a lot of things also look good on paper and it sounds good. For example, when people were investing or putting money in, in through centralized exchanges, we, we know about Monogox, we know about Cryptopia, we know about yeah. uh, Quadringa, we know about these different things that happened and everything is very perfect until something messes up. How can you assure people that this is the solution to the, the centralized exchange problem? And since you're a new company, why should people trust another new exchange coming into the market and do their trading there? The, the issue of trust is a very important part in what we're doing because whenever you're transacting with someone, so right now we're having this conversation and you trusted me enough to be on this call, correct? So you, you have no insurances that I'm actually legit and uh, you have to trust me in a sense. So whenever two people are interacting in some ways, they, there has to be some sort of, uh, of trust layer in, uh, in, the, in order for, for the transaction to happen. So whenever you go to a centralized exchange, like all the all the ones that you mentioned, like Quadringa, Mt. Gox, and uh, all the hacks that happen, they're all centralized because all the problems that happen and arise when people are able to hack into the system of someone else and get the private keys. Once you have the private keys, you are effectively the owner of the wallet and you can move the money wherever you want. You can sign the transaction and spend the money wherever you want, so and send the money wherever you want. So we wanted to build a trustless infrastructure. So we want to build a, an exchange that doesn't require trust for two counterparties to, to transact. So in order to do that, we have to use what we have to be protected by by the code itself and by mathematics. So there is no way in which we as an exchange, we can get in the middle and and say, okay, now I'm going to take the money, I'm going to take more than I should be given as as fees, there is no way for that to happen. Because most of the interactions are, are, are happening between the two peers that are operating. That's basically there is no other way that 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 can happen. Why would people have to trust? us this is a good question and people should definitely ask before they put their money into anything they should really really follow the whole community so our technology developers are very strong and 
anyone that is curious, they can meet us on our Discord channels or our Telegram channels, and we can have conversation and discuss everything in details. We are big supporters of open source code. So pieces, the core pieces of our uh, of our platform are, are going to be available on GitHub. So you can go on GitHub and just see what uh, what interests you. So how the how the all interaction happens on the client side, you can see it. But being a trustless environment means I know the exchange is non-custodial. So I know that I own my keys and there is no way that this can change because the exchange does not have access to, to your private keys. So that is a big, big plus because right now, if I go on Coinbase or, or whatever other, uh, or whatever other centralized exchange, I don't know what my private keys at, uh, my, what my private key is. Uh, I don't even see it. Right. I, I don't have access to that information. So that information is kept away from me and I, I don't have any ways to, to see that. So with us, it's all in your hands. We're, we're trying to make people adults again so they, they can have their, their whole custody of their assets and then they can decide what to do with their assets. You mentioned the code. You yep. said that Reto's back there uh, do, working his code or oh, what yeah. have you. You're going to put it on, on GitHub. People could take a look at it. But what if people don't look at it? What if there's holes in it? What if there's back doors? What if, I mean, these are all what ifs. I, you said that you don't, this is a trustless system, and, but you have mm-hmm. to trust the code. You have to trust what you're making, what you're building. I, I, what I'm trying to say is mm-hmm. that with these exchanges, the layman person, the average person, the person that just wants to buy some shit coin and ho- hodl it for, you know, until yeah. hopefully moon, you know, we, we don't know about this. We don't know about the code. We don't know about this. So we have to trust these exchanges. And at this point, I'm I'm still not convinced. I mean, look, there are exchanges out there, for example, Gemini and, and Coinbase to some extent has uh, FDIC insurance and will insure some of your, your funds. We heard Binance's uh, CEO, CZ, yeah. uh, talk about, you know, how he there's funds stashed away in case mm-hmm. somebody hacks an exchange and takes different cryptocurrencies or, or digital assets. And he has that, you know, just in case. What other assurances do you have or any any DEX or a non-custodial system has for the average consumer that this won't happen again? $190 million are gone because someone had the keys to, of other people. And if that someone is unfortunately not able to give the keys again, you know, that's um, the, the, the money is locked because that's just how cryptography works. What I understand where you're coming from, like in the sense of how is this exchange protecting the investors? Okay, so I understand that. So we are on track to get a regulation, of course, because in the jurisdiction we're out of, so we're based in Malta, you know, the blockchain island of Europe, basically. So we, we're based out of Malta and we have our whole development team in Zug in Switzerland in the Crypto Valley. And we will have a full exchange license. That is, you have a financial authority giving insurances that the exchange is been audited and everything is, uh, you know, is, is legit and everything is happening according to what it's stated that it has to happen. So in order for a financial authority to certify you, they have to audit you fully and they have to see how everything works and all the processes and all, all of that. So uh, this is what's happening. And, uh, you know, this is how we, we are operating. When it, whenever you talk about backdoors and, and things like that, it's it's almost impossible to have backdoors in, uh, in, in systems that don't want to be as decentralized as possible. And so they are built and they're, uh, they're audited to be uh, fully, you know, as much as possible on the client side and as little as possible happening on the server side. But there can always be some, some problems. And 
our focus, you said also something that is very important. The people that want to hodl shit coins, that's not really our target in this case, because what Agora is building is a trustless ecosystem for people that have probably a lot of coins and uh, large sums under management. Uh, and they want to trade that. So it's mostly towards over-the-counter trades. So OTC trades that need to be settled. And as of now, if you go into the OTC market, what happens is you get hooked into Telegram's chats or uh, LinkedIn and people come to you and they say, hey, I have someone that wants to buy a million Bitcoin or they want to sell $150 million of cryptocurrencies. Most of the times, those transactions don't even go through because what you find is a hurdle of trust because people don't trust each other when it comes to a lot of money. And you have to have some sort of level of security that has to be engraved into code. And you have to have some infrastructure that allows you to do that. So this is what we're building. And our focus is a lot on the -the over-the-counter trades. So we are actually working and we cannot give too much details, unfortunately, about uh, how we're doing this. But I can tell you a little bit, just a, just a little spoiler. But we are working on a solution for uh, a non-custodial settlement of fiat and crypto. So that's, that's a big part of our job. What do you say to these people that are building centralized exchanges these days? There's new people, Every new exchanges <laughs> coming out all the time building new exchanges saying, trust me, we have this system. Trust me, we have this you know, new way to store your funds or handle private keys or cold storage or whatever the hell. Mm-hmm. What, do you say to, what do you say about that? Well, okay. So every day you see a new exchange coming out. And this is mostly because one of the beauty of, of this market, of the cryptocurrency market, is that you have a, the possibility to transact freely, right? And you, you don't have a central authority uh, of any sort. So if you're focusing on creating a trusted environment to buy a trustless currency, it's a bit defeating the the purpose of blockchain, the entire purpose of blockchain. So why would I go to a trusted environment to buy a trustless currency? I don't know that. But as of now, the more efficient ways of carrying out these trades have been through centralized exchanges because they have a centralized point of control, they have centralized servers, and their whole speed of transaction, their ease of use has been the strength uh, of, of this. So I understand that everyone wants to get into the game of, of exchanges, but we have to think about the, you know, the bigger picture. Why are we even doing this? So we are doing this because we want to achieve mass adoption. We want people to get into crypto and have the possibility to hold their keys and hold their coins effectively. We don't want someone else to have my keys and hold my coins for me because I'm adult enough. I have enough responsibility that I can handle my coins. So the thing is, we want to build an infrastructure for people to to be able to do just that. And whoever is building a centralized exchange, it's fine. I mean, it's the beauty of the open market, right? So you can build whatever product. And if you're able to market it and you're able to get adoption, it's I mean, it's good for you, but it's not what the users need right now. What the users mm-hmm. need and one that what the ecosystem needs now is not just another centralized exchange. So why is everybody building exchanges then? Is it a monetary incentive? Can you really make that much money? We know CZ went to become a billionaire overnight uh, with mm-hmm. uh, Binance, but is 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 that it? it because well, just I mean, be, shoot it straight with me. Mass adoption, that's great, but yeah, the, is the monetary incentive that good? Well, the monetary incentive depends on how much you charge in fees. If you if you are an exchange, and I'm not going to name names, but if you are an exchange that it's uh, you know charging. 
uh, two to four percent of transaction uh, transaction fee. I mean, you can name names, bro. That's Coinbase. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> I mean, that is. That's that's common fucking knowledge. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that is. So, uh, but you know, if you're charging if you're charging four percent transaction fees, that's a massive that's a massive massive cut. So, what we are charging is zero point four percent which is reasonably high if you consider that we want to go over the counter exchanges and also for people to jump from their bank account fiat to crypto in a non-custodial way but for us of course if you're building a business of course there's a monetary incentive why is everyone else building exchanges i i, I mean i don't know i think uh, the real answer is we want to build everyone wants to build tools and everyone wants to be the next CZ uh, in the in sense of, uh, you know, being able to be recognized as as the guy that bought it, like built an exchange. And this exchange grew incredibly fast over, over one year. It was the right timing. It was the right technology. But it's what happened. So he was at the right place in the right moment. And uh, you also have to consider when we talk about becoming billionaires, there are things like paper billionaires and not necessarily cash billionaires, right? So you have companies that are worth billions and you own a lot of it. That means you are a billionaire, but it doesn't mean that you are making billions. Uh, yeah, man, I, yeah. I, I, I can split hairs about it, man. I could have a company worth billions. I'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> if I want to go to a billion dollars on paper, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I don't know. Yeah, okay. I, I agree. Don't, don't cry for me. I agree. I, I'm, a, I'm perfectly fine too. So that's, uh, that, but that's, that's the goal of everyone. When you, whenever you innovate and you're building some tools that uh, you want people to use, then ultimately you want to build a business that will be, that will have an impact and will change lives of people. And, and you want to, if that happens, if you make money on the side as a side effect, that's nice. If money is your ultimate goal, then just don't even bother. Like the money doesn't have to be the mover. Right on, man. Look, I want to say thank you very much for coming on the show. I want to say thank you very much for taking the time to uh, wrap well, out with us. So and tell us about the non-custodial aspect of your exchange mm -hmm. and kind of shed some light on the different ways we can construct exchanges so that people are hopefully mm -hmm. not getting hacked, losing money, or being taken advantage of. Is there anything you want to say before we pop off here? Well, I just uh, I just want to thank you again. And uh, I would just uh, ask people to stay tuned and see what we do next that's uh, that's what i would say right on brother thank you very much thank you thank you Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. Jared, Andrea, thank you very much for coming on the show and showing your passion about the projects that you are working on. In our next episode of Crypto 101, we're going to take you to F Denver, where I sat down with around eight to nine different projects to get 101s on what they're doing in the space. And I'm going to start releasing those episodes with a 101 episode on three different projects, each project getting about 10 minutes to explain what they're doing in space and leaving it up to you to look into them and do your own research and due diligence on their projects to see if it's something that you guys want to get involved in. And of course, we have so much more in the works and I'm excited to start releasing that to you. Like always, ApogeeCrypto.com, that's A-P-O-G-E-E -E, Crypto.com, the best place to look at your prices, the best place to research your coins, and the best place to, well, you can also listen to Crypto 101 podcasts about those coins on their platform. And we will see you in the next episode of Crypto 101. Thank you for listening.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.